Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as they chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And, of course, preview Saturday night's game at Goodison when the Blues take on Aston Villa in another important game in this push for Europe. Um, So we will, of course, look ahead to the game with Dean Smith's sides and, of course, reflect on Carlo Ancelotti just given his press conference at Finch Farm earlier this afternoon. We'll talk about that. The news that Decore is back in some form of training, which is obviously excellent news. Some interesting comments about Josh King and a little bit more light shed on the remaining six fixtures and when there will be. We do finally have a date for the trip to Villa. So we'll bring you all that in the discussion over the next half an hour, 45 minutes. Um I think we will start with the game um, this this Friday's pod. And usually, I know we tend to sort of leave it till the end, but let's talk about Villa, um, Adam. Um, you know, a lot of people understandably say it's must win. Carlo obviously set that target of, of five victories, one at Arsenal, four to go. Do we get the second one um, tomorrow night? It's so unpredictable, isn't it? Especially when you consider Everton at home. Like it, you just. I find that over the last few months in particular, it's just it's a, a different Everton team, team tends to uh, turn up at Goodison Park than one that turns up away from home. So I think it's really hard to predict whether Everton will get that uh, that win again uh, this weekend. But I think it's quite right in saying, I, I do feel like we have said this over the last few weeks for every single game that's come up, but it is kind of must win, isn't it? And I think, as we said earlier in the week, I think that Arsenal game kind of proved exactly why that's the case because... Obviously, we had that run of three draws, which were you know, a little bit disappointing. But that one win just kind of changes the whole complexion of the way the league table looks, doesn't it? Because suddenly Everton got those three points and suddenly you're thinking to yourself, not really all that far off getting getting fit. You know, it's still a game in hand as well. You, you know, there's so many there's so many possibilities from Everton's, uh, from Everton's point of view there. So the difference between getting one point and three points is absolutely massive. And I think that obviously carries over into this Villa game as well. Uh, I think Carlo Ancelotti is quite right in what he said in the press conference that, you know, it's quite obvious that Villa are missing their, their best player in Jack Grealish. And, you know, obviously he'd be a big miss to, I think, any side in the Premier League. But they are still a pretty uh, a pretty dangerous side as they've proven on multiple occasions this season. And I think in terms of Everton's home form as well, they can't really afford to take anybody in the league for granted, not even when. Sheffield United come here in a couple of weeks, will they be able to take them for granted? So, yeah, I think it's it's absolutely a must win. You know, if 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 Everton are going to get those four or five wins that uh, that they need to uh, to get from now uh, and the end of the season, you know, you, you're kind of discounting that City game with the, with the form that they're in at the minute. So, you know, it kind of just amplifies the importance of this Villa game. So, especially... Especially when we're building up to fans finally coming back to Goodison, which we'll discuss in a little bit. But you know, hopefully you'd want to get you'd want to get that in a, in a little bit of a run of form at Goodison. So fingers crossed they'll be able to start that this weekend. Yeah, probably asked this this question several times this season. <laughs> which Everton are you expecting to show up tomorrow night? Um, that's a good question. Uh, if it's well, it's got quite. I mean, it's a simple question, but it's a good question, isn't well, it? It's probably it indicates there's a problem, doesn't it? Really, Phil, uh, of inconsistency and inconsistency at home in particular. Um, I, you know, Phil, I think they're just in the bottom half, and I, I don't know if you have a look at our stats against the bottom half, t- bottom half of the table teams. Of course, and there's some bad results there, isn't there? The type of fixture we've struggled at since lockdown, really, Phil, going back to the last season. Uh, in June, where the home records wasn't that great. Um, 
I would like to think that they've taken a bit of confidence, if not from the performance, but from the results against Arsenal. And also the performance against Spurs, where I thought we played well. Uh, and we're unlucky not to uh, get three points in some respects, but for some lax defending. So, um, put it this way, I'm hoping to see a better Everton than maybe three weeks ago, based on the last two results, which have got like four points of me, like crucial stage of the season. So, I think if we, if we have that, you know, Villa have, I think there's only, they've got one of the worst records, is it? Is it in 2021? Is it the only Southampton, Sheffield's nice, got worst records, something like that. Um, so if we do, like we did against Spurs, keep it tight at the back, then there's no reason at all why we can't win comfortably. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you both this question, but I'll, I'll come to you. you. You mentioned the City game, and, and I think we've mentioned it recently, you know, that the final game of the season, trip to the Etihad, and, and we're almost kind of writing it off, but should we be? Can we afford to be writing it off? Because, you know, we've said on this pod, we don't want to be going to the Etihad needing something, but A, we may we may need to, and, and I guess B, should we be dismissive of it? Because, as you said, the season's been so unpredictable. We, we should win tomorrow night, but it's, it's so difficult to confidently hang your hat on, on, on a three point, three points. Well, that's it. And I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, City have been the most consistent side this season, but they haven't been, you know, all all conquering. Have they? You know, they've they've still had their slip-up results. They've had a couple of slip-ups at the Etihad as well. So who knows whether Everton might be able to to do that uh, come the end of the season. And I think you're right, you know, with the, with the amount of games that we've got left this season, six games that we've got left from now until the end of the season, with that so small amount of games, I don't think, you know, Carlo Ancelotti certainly won't be ruling out any any matches at all from that, whoever whoever they're going to be playing. And, you know, of course, you've got to consider the fact that City are going to, you know, are they potentially going to be in a Champions League final a few yeah, days we'll, after that? Yeah, we'll be six days later, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, I know they've got such a such a deep squad. Like, if they, uh, if they, if they played their reserve from three at the minute, it would be... Uh, Gabriel Jesus, Sergio Aguero, and Raheem Sterling, which is rubbish. It's, it's all right, isn't it? Like at the end of the day, it's okay. But uh, uh, you're not yeah. you're not winning many long balls. You know you haven't got much of an aerial presence there, though, have they? That's you know. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's it. They've, got, they've got no chance against Michael Keane and Yeri Mina as well. Well, exactly. Know. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti will be ruling out any games. And you know, as you rightly mentioned as well, Everton have gone to. Uh, these bigger clubs this season, and they've managed to get some decent results. You know, draw against Manchester United, three wins against Arsenal, Spurs, and Liverpool. You know, th- it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility at all for Everton to be able to go to Man City, especially in this you know current season that we're in. There's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility at all for Everton to go and uh, to go and get a result there. I, I, I just I just still feel like I wouldn't want to be relying on, on mm. that at all. I'd, ra- mm. I'd much rather get all the points that we need to get on the board as soon as possible. That's why I say, you know, it, it places a little bit more importance and emphasis on this Aston Villa game, especially with it being at home as well. You want to try and set yourself up in the best way possible going into the, these last few games of the season. So, you know, in an ideal circumstance, you know, we will just win the next five games and we'll be sorted by the time we go to City, but it's not going to be an ideal circumstance. So it's, it is very likely that we, we will need something against Man- Manchester City, but, yeah, I think you're right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily completely rule it out. It's just going to be very difficult, isn't it? Mm. Gav, Carlos taking Carlos' target quite literally um, would mean we would finish with a 64 point season, which I think would be the third highest in our Premier League history. Yeah. Um, how, how, how confident are you that we can a get to the 64 points and b do so before we go to the Etihad? About four wins. So that's. Winning our last three. Well, let's let's look at it. Six, look, look at the six games. The three games at home is Villa, Sheffield United, Wolves. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying. So yeah. th- those three teams are tanking, aren't they? Uh, you know, uh, I say Villa struggled. Wolves are Wolves are really struggling, aren't they? You know, pale shadow the team you were last season and the season before, and United. So you'd be you'd be setting yourself a target. I mean. You'd be saying we should be getting nine points in those three games, shouldn't we, really? I mean, and we are very capable of getting that. I suspect Wolves are always ticky, ticky opponents, but I think nine points in those three games. And then you've got Villa away. 
which has not necessarily been a great fixture for us. Um, um, and I think the crucial game is going to be the West Ham game, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. If 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 you if you if you win the West Ham game, I mean, you, that will probably mean that you don't need anything from City. Or if you get beef from West, if you get beef at West Ham, all of a sudden becomes very difficult, doesn't it? Because you just get the impression that you know that that's just a really big game for both teams, isn't it? Mm. I think that was the West Ham game. Yeah. Um, in some respects, I know it sounds daft. I'd rather beat West Ham away and lose it only to Sheffield United. No, that's because you're stopping them getting three points down, aren't you? Double impact. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. If you said if you said get twelve points, it's hard to beat West Ham and lose at home to Sheffield United. Yeah, and, and as much as that sounds crackers, that is rather that happened, you know. Uh, but I'd still, I'd still, I'd still take going to if you get, you know, if you said to me now going to City to get something at the end of the season, I'd still probably take that, you know. Mm. To be fair, but I'd like to get rid of, you know, get rid of our, you know, get out the out the out the way before then. Um, but it's going to take some bit, still going to take better than what we've seen, isn't it, performance wise over the last sort of five to six weeks. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As obviously there's three European competitions on offer this this season. Champions League, which of course we're still in the conversation, but I think Carlo is sort of t- trying to sort of push the idea that it's probably going to be beyond the team. Fair enough. Europa League they're still very much in the mix for that, and the Europa Conference League. What are your thoughts? Um, as, uh, I suppose almost more as a supporter about the Europa Conference League. I mean, the Europa League itself. Gets enough stick. Um, I think it's. I think it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a good competition. Um, the Europa Conference League, of course, becomes the third tier of European competition in Europe. What are your thoughts? Are you underwhelmed by the fact of going into a third tier of European football, or are you infused by the fact that we will be going into Europe and, and back in Europe regardless? I'm very, I'm very much of the opinion that Europe, Europe, at the end of the day, whether it's a, a third tier or not, you know, you, you're still playing European football. It's still another European competition that Everton can can try and win. And you, you, you'd suggest that if Everton was a was a qualified for the European Conference League, then you know they'd be they'd be well placed to do you know pretty well at, mm. at, the, at the very least in this sort of competition. And I think. You know the way that we're looking at it now, it's it's very much a blank canvas, isn't it? Like we don't know how how this how everybody's going to be able to react to this competition. Whether you know teams are going to play weakened sides, or I, I doubt they, very much that they play weakened sides in Europe. But you know, it could be the case that some you know Premier League teams play weakened sides, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, I think I think it, it, it's very much you know a blank canvas, and Everton can if they do qualify for it, I think they can try and you know make it their own. Why why not just go and try and win it because I'm, I'm I'm not sure, but like, do do the winners get automatic Europa League qualification? Do they? Is that, is that I, I need to double check. I th- last time I did look at that, I think it was based if you in the in the semi-finals. I think you, you got Europa League, but I, you might I might be wrong, and you might be right. You may have to win it, but I think yeah, you're, there is some automatic qualification to the Europa League. Yeah, well, exactly. So I think that I think the prize at the end of it's worthwhile, isn't it? You know, you get you get a trophy regardless of. Regardless of its, you know, potential standing in the next few years, you know, you get yourself a European trophy and you qualify for the for the highest stage of European competition as well automatically. So I think, in my head, I th- I think it's absolutely a worthwhile target for Everton to be going for. Of course, I'd obviously prefer Everton to be in the Europa League because, you know, I think the Europa League started off a little bit, you know, a, a little bit shaky, but I think over the last few years it's kind of grown in reputation a little bit more. So. Perhaps it's going to be the same thing with this European Conference League. Maybe it'll just need a few years to get going and for people to really start to respect it a little bit more. Uh, I think the Europa League is now in a, a pretty decent little place in terms of its 
reputation across the continent. So, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be delighted if Everton got into the Europa League. I'd obviously be over the moon if they somehow managed to get into the Champions League. But I'm not going to be necessarily disappointed if they get into the European Conference League because at the end of the day, the target at the start of the season was Europe, wasn't it? And, you know, regardless, regardless of its standing, uh, that's, that, that, that is a European competition. So I think it would be... I think it would be very worthwhile for Everton to go for it. Gav, uh, same, same question to you, mate. How do you feel about the potential of going into a third tier of European football? Would you rather it would be Europa League, Champions League or nothing? Or, or is, is a return to European competition a step in the right direction regardless? Uh, the last point. Um, I think there's a couple of things going on there. I think, I think it's only the winners get through to the, the Europa League, by the way. Uh, yeah. I don't, have you seen the qualification for the Conference League? No, I mean, on. it's like it's sort of like the world's most complex mathematical algorithm you could ever imagine. You know, it's it's it's, it's unbelievably complicated. It depends on what coefficient you are and whether you're a cut winner and all this. And you know, and it it moves from country to country. It's a complete nutter. You know, you you need you need like a week to to understand the rules. You know, so yeah, I, no. But answer to your question, definitely settle for that, you know, rather than not non Europe for a number of reasons. I any extra games mean more money, which you can always do with, uh, to be fair. Uh, if we if we get deep into the competition, then you know, you'll get some rewards in terms of the, you know, the the you know the competition money. Uh also gets used to playing European football then, doesn't it? Because you would like to think the following year we'd be knocking on the door of the the, the Europa League in particular. So Carlos mentioned before, I think, about that that like that ease of managing a game every three or four days, and I think if you, mm. it just gets easier to succeed, doesn't it, in Europe? If you play every year, you just get used to players get used to it. You get used to it as a manager and stuff, and with with the players. And uh, yeah, so I wouldn't say me nose nose up with that um, whatsoever. Conference League, it's it's it, 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 at the end of the day, it means you've had a decent season as well, doesn't it? You know, seventh, eighth. We would settle at the start of the season. We'd have settled for seventh and eighth. Yeah, what an improvement, isn't it? Uh, as it's found out, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And if if this is the reward for it, you'll take it, wouldn't you? So I've got no, uh, I've got no problem, no snootiness about it. And any game, extra games, are good. Some brings a few extra quid, which we can all, you know, as a club, we can we could do with. Hmm. <clears throat> I promised uh, we'd bring you up to speed with with the sort of revised fixture list if you haven't seen it. So obviously, May the first tomorrow, Villa at home. Uh, May 9th, West Ham away. That's a Sunday, of course. May 13th, Villa away. I think that's an eight o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Then three days later, May 16th, Sheffield United at home. And then sometime between May 18th and May 20th, Wolves at home with, hopefully, Adam, you can maybe shed a little bit more light on on this for us. Wolves at home, hopefully, definitely, maybe some fans. Definitely will have. We'll have fans back. That's the... uh entire reason i think you know the majority of games that were going to be played that weekend i'm not sure how they all how they all lay uh i, I was only really concentrating on the Everton one but i think uh most of the games that were scheduled to be on that weekend have been moved back a little bit to just to i think it's to allow every single team to have at least yeah. some fans back in mm-hmm. the in the last two games of the season because obviously the every, i think every team's going to alternate whether they're home and away in the last two games of the season so Everton will be able to have some fans back for the for the Wolves game, which is going to be, you know, massive, isn't it? You know, it's going to be such an improvement. Like we we know how how good it was when there were two thousand fans for those three games in December. So there's going to be more fans this time round, and you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be really really promising to have to have them back. Hopefully, Everton will be still firmly in the fight uh, for Europe, and you know that could be that could be the difference, couldn't it? You know, having Having a few thousand fans there could be could easily be the difference to to push Everton on against Wolves, which is going to be, you know, I think every game from now until the end of the season is going to be a tough game. But you know that would that would certainly qualify as quite a difficult game in in these sort of behind closed door circumstances. So to have and fans co- there would be massive. And of course, talk I think in the in the Times this morning that there could be five hundred away fans. Gav, so we talked about that City game. We potentially may have five hundred Evertonians inside the Etihad that day. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's good. I mean, you seem like there's some events at the weekend, isn't there? There were five thousand people um, without masks and stuff. Um, you can see sort of light at the end of the tunnel here, can't you? Which so by the time next season starts, 
that we developed even further. So um, yeah, that, that that's good news. And you see, I mean, this this is the thing for this season. I think we said about seventh or eighth being a good season, but I still feel for lots of reasons that we're not seeing a real season, and it's very hard to judge a, a club's progress. But how, unless they've been really extreme. You know, um, you know, I think Sheffield United would have struggled anyway, with all due respect. I think probably West Brom would have struggled in Fulham. You know, City are always going to do well, aren't they? Um, but for that, that for those middle table teams like like you know finished middle table last year or two, last couple of seasons, it's very difficult to judge how you pro pro whether you've progressed or not because there's that many you know unusual factors, isn't it? No crowd. You know, people being injured, people, you know, fixtures being moved around left, right and centre. You know, small pre-season because last season ended so late. Um, you know, loads of different unusual factors. So, although we might finish seventh or eighth, whether that might constitutes progress in life for next season, I don't really know. Yeah, it almost feels... Uh, to, to be honest Carlo, with you, yeah. It almost feels, Gav, the way that Carlo speaks about because he often gets asked at press conferences now yeah. about imp- improving the squad and stuff. And he, he always says, we have improved this season. So it almost feels as though it has become normal. And now it's almost, that is the prism through which football managers yeah. view football now because it has become, how, how many months now? Best part of 12 months of playing. Oh, yeah, it is. We're going to play more than the season, aren't we? We're going to play, what, a season in the third, are we? Something like that. Uh, with no mm. fans or very few fans. Uh, yeah, I get that. And you would suspect over time that, that you know, things like training and pre-match preparation and all that type of stuff, you know, they've got it off to a fine art. Um, but we still had half a season, haven't we? Where that probably didn't apply. Uh, I don't know if they did pass the season when we probably did better. Um, so, yeah, I, I've still got this asterisk against... Pro- I'm not saying we've not made progress, but it's how much progress, you know. Uh, and I think that's the case for a number of teams. But, but, but having said all that, we haven't gone backwards, have we? That's the uh, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's the important yeah. thing. Absolutely. Um, so we'll yeah. and, and speaking of teams, obviously, you know, Everton's away form has been excellent, home form poor. But West Ham, we, we spoke about them earlier in the pod and how it's a crunch game. They flipped that on its head. They've 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 thrived with no fans inside the London Stadium, and that's. That's making me. That's what making me slightly nervous about that game because I just think that where you know you could imagine the old school Moyes thinking, let's just cancel each other out here and, and let's not inflict any any damage. You know, let's just do a draw. They're strong at, at home, aren't they? And, and with no supporters in there, they seem to the shackles seem to be off. Which is a bit yeah. mad, isn't it? Really, because like the the fans are sat about you know two tubes stopped away when they, when they were in the stadium. <laughs> um, didn't think that they'd actually have a, a, any sort of effect but i think perhaps it, it it is in a way like the shackles are off a little bit for Moyes. you know he, he, he knows that he's like it's probably a cynical way of looking at it but you know he, he knows he's not going to get any sort of abuse from the stands or anything like that for playing you know too defensive or being too cautious etc and you know maybe just you know allowing the likes of uh, Lingard and Fornals and Bowen to just express themselves whenever they want to express themselves, mm-hmm. really, and you know it, it's kind of given them that little bit of that little bit of freedom at home, which is quite quite clearly benefited them because they're doing they're doing so well this season, and it's 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 maybe something that you know I, I wish that Everton had done a little bit more. You know, I, I like I think I was saying earlier on in the season when Everton's home form was really bad, I just don't know why we don't settle like an away team. Because mm. we don't like there's there's some sort of there's some sort of inherent belief that you know if we're at home we should be dominating possession and we should be you know going at the away team. Why didn't we just like settle like an away team for for some of those games? Well, and really flipping really it on its head. Well, well, I guess really... I guess I'd sorry to interrupt. I guess in the get those games with Arsenal and Chelsea, you got us in over December. We kind of did. Mm. And Leicester, Leicester in January, we kind of did, didn't we? We yeah. were smashing smashing grab and ended up with. What seven points from those three games? But it's exactly. it's been it's been Newcastle, it's been Fulham, it's been you know Leeds. Exactly because like the the belief is that we 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 you know we're a bit above playing like that against you know the likes of a Newcastle or Fulham at home. But I think they they knew exactly the way that we were going to play. We were going to try and come out and go at them, and they set up to you know effectively destroy us in the second half because of because of that fact. 
I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? So, you know, if if we did set up differently, would we have would we have got better results? Who's to say? We we don't really know. It is it is that like that's the only disappointing thing that you can look at this season, isn't it? You know, there are just a little too many of those missed opportunities uh, that we that we've had. But you know, saying that, we're still only a couple of points behind West Ham, really, aren't we? You know, they they're looked at as having. You know this incredible season, which they have in fairness, can like can considering where they started. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think Everton's has been necessarily necessarily a worse season than West Ham's. You know, if we win our game in hand, do we go above them? So, you know, certainly, it, I think we'll, we'll go level at least, wouldn't we? So I have to check the table while you uh, speak there, Ad. So yeah, but, like I think regardless, like it does make that West Ham game away from home <laughs> a massive thing, doesn't it? And it's going to be interesting to see. What happens when you know our away form meets their home form sort of thing? It's going to be, I'm, I, I think it's going to, going to be a, hopefully a decent match. And two sides go to war. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, what have you got any? Have you got any? Have you got any issue or concerns that? And I know it's a thing for some supporters of every club, but have you got any concerns that, that, that Carlo doesn't seem to set the team up in a particular style, that he changes the lineup every week now? I think, I think apart from the first three games yeah. of the league season, he's changed the 11 and the formation has always changed. And literally now, I've never, in, yeah. in how, many, how many years working for the paper and how many years doing the Everton job with Martina, Silva, Allardyce, Koeman, Unzi, Ancelotti is the most frustrating manager to guess because he, the team sheet will drop and yeah. I'll look to Adam and we'll just both go, I have no idea what the formation is. People go, what's the formation? No clue. Absolutely yeah. no yeah. idea. So are you, do, you, do, you, do you like that about Carlo or, or, or do you like to see something more consistent? Uh, you mean, to, 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 to quote Louis van Gaal, what's his philosophy? <laughs> is footballing well, philosophy you mean yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I think um, he's played like a lot of 4-4-2 in the past hasn't he and stuff um, I, I think that's a reflection of this season Phil where you know players have been injured players not being fit um, and consequently on, as we've seen over the last you know couple of months really up until a fortnight ago You've probably only had 13 players to select from. You've had to like sort of put them on the pitch and just a, as a scratch team, haven't you? Really, and just get them out there, and then we'll 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 find out how we're going to play when we when the game starts. Uh, I, I'd like to think that um, what what I think is best formation is at Everton, and with the best sort of like mix of players is probably what started the season. No, back four, three in midfield and three up top. To me, that that seems to, you know, that seems to be at like the, the best balance. So, sort of what we've got collectively as a squad. Whether Richie Allison thinks that is a, another story, of course, but uh, or you know, <laughs> but that to me, what we saw in that first six or seven games before we we got a couple of injuries um, would seem to be my ideal. Um, Ideal um, setup for what we've got, but we may get a couple of plays in the in the in the summer, and that changes, of course. Um, yeah, we've had three at the back, haven't we? And you know, I mean, Ben Godfrey's only been here three quarters of the season. I think he's played every every combination of back four and five, and he's played every role in that that he can play. Can can you know? He's played right and left in the back three, and centre in the back three, right back, left back. You know, right. I think he played assistant yeah. manager one game as well. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, so that just shows how much chopping and changing that we've done. That Ben Godfrey, and to his credit, has played every role conceivably imaginable in the in the, in the, in the back. Um, but, I, yeah, it, it's it's not necessarily something I'm a fan of, but I understand why Carlos had to do it this season because, as I say, has been unusual circumstances and that's brought unusual pressures. I like to think when we get to next season, maybe got a couple of signings in, Things settle down a bit. Proper yeah. pre-season as well. well um, I know there's. I know. Yeah, I know there's the the Euros, whatever they're called this year. Um, but um, and you like to think that we'd have a bit more of a settled, mm. you know, settled basis to work with. Next but, 
it would be interesting if uh, something for me to ask Carlo next week, maybe it would be interesting to see whether he considers this season as in the most sort of mentally, tactically challenging one he's had maybe ever, or certainly for a long time anyway. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll ask Carlo that and, and let you know what he says. Um, Adam, speaking about run-ins and injuries, some very, very good news from Finch Farm this morning. We knew he was back running, but we didn't know he was going to be, you know, certainly looking as fresh and, and, and you know, not involved because he was by himself, but good news about Abdullah Dekori. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Great seeing those pictures of him running about on Finch Farm, wasn't it? And having those discussions with Carlo Ancelotti. I think it was, you know, it, it, it was very, I think it was very promising, you know, very early on that Everton was saying that they, you know, they hoped that Abdullah would, would be back before the end of the season. And I think, you know, the, the few weeks that we had, uh, very shortly after his injury kind of proved how much we missed him. And we still do miss him, of course, because he is he has proven himself to be such an influence in that midfield. So I think it's gonna be massive for Everton whenever they do manage to get him back. I think it's just just a case of you know not wanting to rush him back, isn't it? You know, you don't you don't want him you don't want him to pick up any other issues uh, before the end of the season if he does come back. So it is about managing it a little bit, and I think you know Everton have been have been okay in midfield over the over the last few games. So you know, I, I think our our need to rush them back has kind of waned a little bit, which is you know a little bit promising. I'd like to have them back for at least the last two games of the season. Mm. You know, and you'd hope that you know now that he's back on the pitch running, you know, what's that like two weeks away? If he can get get back training with the team at some point, you know, fingers crossed he'll be able to. Uh, He'll be able to rejoin the team quite soon. Did he have a scan this this week? He was due on. Yeah, he was due on. We're not sure what the outcome was, but assumingly it was. You know, assumed it was positive because he's, yeah. he's back at Finch Farm and stuff. But you know, wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't it be nice for uh, for Carlo just to drop his name on the team sheet at the London Stadium next week in the big in the big game? You know, I mean, that would be a hell of a boost, wouldn't it? Oh, it, it would just be a confidence boost for everyone around him as well, wouldn't it? Because he is, he, as I say, he is just such an influence on the rest of his teammates around him. He's such, he has such an effect, you know, not just in and around the Everton box, but up at, up at the other end of the pitch as well. I think we've been missing him, you know, making those, you know, late sort of darts in between defenders uh, to try and get into the box or get to the byline or something like that. So, you know, f- fingers crossed we'll be able to have him back for that West Ham game because I think particularly in midfield, I do think we need a bit of reinforcement against West Ham because mm-hmm. you know, obviously they've got Suchek who's going to be, you know, one of their main one of their main players. So Suchek and Rice in their midfield is, you know, very very strong midfield for West Ham. So, you know, the more the more uh, reinforcements we can have for that game, the better. But mm. even if he's not back for that game, you know, any sort of contribution that he can give us from now until the end of the season is just a boost, isn't it? Because there was there was just those little fears uh, when he first got injured that that would be his his season over. So it, it very much seems like that's right. not the case now. So mm. that's that's got to be seen as a positive. Have yet to see Declan Rice have a good game against Everton, despite the. Uh... Oh, Phil! No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Why just... Have you said that now? <laughs> Obviously, I take you know. Look, people who watch Declan Rice far more than than I do, obviously, think he's a very good player, and, and I don't doubt that assessment. But in a, in a couple of seasons, couple of seasons he's played against us, I've just looked at him and gone, I don't see it. But you know, I'm a, I'm just me, aren't I? So, um, Gav. Moving on, moving on from Decore, Carlos asked about Josh King again <laughs> at press conference today. <laughs> I, I, it's a, a standard item on the agenda these days, Phil, I would imagine, isn't it, well, the press conference? You know, it's, yeah. it's an increasingly sort of confusing situation yeah. because Carlo doesn't, look, we're all amateur body language experts, but Carlo never comes across particularly in an infused sort of way about Josh King. And, and, he, and he, he sort of, his answers today didn't really sort of do anything to dissuade me of that kind of opinion. Yeah. Um, so he had a small problem on his back, so he's not been available. For, but he, you know, but he's in quite good condition. He's tra- in training. He's absolutely okay. Really serious. Really <laughs> professional. Now, Carl, Carlo is the king of, of not giving too much away and, and yeah, doesn't, yeah. criti- doesn't criticize players. But I, I listened to that and thought, this doesn't sound like a player that he's he's keen, de- desperate to keep around next season. No, I agree. Absolutely okay. I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it, that's one of the. I mean, I'm, I'm not criticising Carlo per se here. I'm just making general statement about when managers say how somebody's trained well. You know, it's like 
Yeah, but you yeah. expect them to do. That's the least you know you want to, you know, train well. I'd expect that, you know, he's trained well this week. Well, yeah, he should do he's a professional footballer. You yeah. know, I appreciate you probably have some days when you're best asset than on other days when you maybe not, but you'd expect everybody to train well. Uh yeah, it's it's a difficult position with, with King, isn't it, really? Because if they don't if they don't put him on a permanent deal in the sun, you're saying, Well, what was the point of having him there? In January, you've messed up there, haven't you, when there was maybe other options on the table. And if you do put him on a permanent deal, people will be saying, well, why is he on a permanent deal? Yeah. You know, he's not played. He's not played. So whichever way, okay. whatever decision they take with King, it, it's it's not it's not going to look right, is it? Sorry. Can the football club, you know, say, because, he, he, you know, unless there's a, a spate of injuries, he's not going to start the final six games. So, can, can Carlo and the football club, although they have scouted him, of course, you know, and, and looked at him yeah. in that respect, can can the football club hand a permanent deal to a player who hasn't started a game, who's made a handful of appearances off the bench, and and yeah. and, and and take that risk because he because Josh King won't accept another twelve month deal or another six month deal. He'll want no. three years, which is fair. Three years, enough. yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, it, look it, at the it, yeah. It would feel like a huge gamble to me. Exactly. And what is it? How old is he? Is he 29? Yes. How old is he? 29. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's all like getting Rodriguez at 28, 29 on a two-year deal, isn't it? With all due respect. Getting Josh King on a you know, two- yeah. or three-year deal at 29 is a completely different thing, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, you throw to Corey and Alan in with, with Rodriguez, by the way. Oh, yeah. The King, perennially, we've been linked with him in the past, unless I'm... No, uh, you know, not remember. We have been like them in the past three or four years ago, maybe. If only because he always used to score against us for Bournemouth, then he's one of the uh, <laughs> one of our regular hit lists, wasn't he? Uh, now, I, I, I get the impression with Carlo's language and sort of use of words and stuff. Um, put it this way: if you're trying to pick up a player by saying how, how well they've trained, that not in my experience means they're not staying. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and. It was, it, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was a, something they had to do. I suppose to bring somebody in, but if it's not worth, it's not worth. It happens, doesn't it? I mean, mm. so the, a worse thing would have been if they've come in an eighteen-month contract and not played for four or five months. That would have been the time to worry. I think. Yeah, Adam, have you got any alternative view on King? And, and and I say a view on him, and I feel I feel slightly sort of harsh when asked these questions because it feels like I'm putting people in in a difficult position because we've just not seen him play. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really have an alternative view on him, can you? And I think you know, I think you, you're both right. Carlo's comments today were quite uh, were quite cleverly worded. I think it was uh, the bit for me was when he was asked, you know, about the potential of a new contract in the summer, and his exact phrase in here was, "I think at the end of the season we're going to talk about if he can stay, if he can have a new contract with us or not." Mm. And I just think the word the wording of that phrase is very much like uh, if we're going to give him a new contract or not. Yeah, think, if you if you compare that to the way he speaks about Robin Olsen, he's made no yeah, secret exactly. that he wants to keep Robin. Yeah, yeah. So I th- I think it's very much and you know earlier when he was talking about you know he's he's had a back problem which has ruled him out of training, but then he admitted it was his technical decision that's been keeping him out the side because <laughs> which is which you know I was, I was very much disagree with to be honest. I don't think we've had any options. We've had Nathan Broadhead coming off the bench, you know. Yeah. So. I just think, yeah, it, it's it's a shame for Josh King, isn't it, that it hasn't worked out for him. But I think, you know, the more it goes on, it does just look like a bit of a a bit of a panic decision from Everton, doesn't it? They kind of did get to the end of that January transfer window, and they were a bit like, oh, we do we do need to bring someone in here who can play, you know, across all those front three positions. And you know, King did fit into that mould, and unfortunately, it it just seems that he's not got he's not got the right qualities that. Ancelotti, Ancelotti wants. I think Gav's right. It, you know that sometimes that happens, and you know it's it's going to go down as an ever, error for Everton. But you know Everton have had some majorly more expensive errors in in the recent past. So you know to have to take a bit of a loss yeah. on uh, Josh King for a, a few months. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it, it's fine, isn't it? You know, it, it's it would have been nice if it had worked out a little bit better. But you know, I think. You know, for all parties concerned, I think it's probably going to be better if we just go separate ways in the summer. Could just say, by the way, sorry, sorry, Phil, just say, what's the difference between the decision and the technical decision? Is there something I'm missing there? 
I think technical <laughs> decision is is a um, polite way of managers saying yeah. that the player was just dropped. Or yeah, silver silver often said it to me. I, I remember vividly uh, yeah. in the corridors at Molyneux on the opening day of, yeah. of the twenty eighteen season, and I said. Yeah. What? What? Why is there no Adamola? And it's like technical decision with that look in his eyes, if to say, you know what I really mean, but I'm going to say technical yeah. decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, right, okay. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, just w- w- without sort of. Um, Going down a Moise Keane rabbit hole, we, we, we're sort of saying, "Look, this doesn't look like it's going to work out for Josh King." Moise yeah. Keane's due to come. Moise Keane's due to come back to the football club, but I think yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. All, we all know that if a suitable offer comes in, he will leave. There, yeah. there is a there is a hole there for yeah. the backup striker. Now, now I'm not saying the football club should go and you know break the bank for a backup striker, but it's an important position, and it feels like it's something that you know. If Keane does leave, it, 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 it needs to be got right. And, you know, we've been fortunate in the sense that we've managed to cope without a backup striker yeah. this season. We're still in the hunt for Europe without a backup striker. We had Jenk didn't play much and he's gone on loan. And yeah. obviously, sadly, he's now injured. Josh King hasn't played hardly at all. We've coped without a backup striker, but it feels like I think we've kind of got away with it a little bit. And, and I don't think that the, the squad could get away with it next season. No, we've got away with it because Carver Lewis started the season like house on fire, didn't he? You know, and it was eleven goals in eleven games. Now we've got three and sixteen, and since then we've had a bit of mix and match, haven't we? Hamas has scored a few. Richarlison had a bit of a purple patch for about four or five games. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's an interesting one. But I really want to go down a Moyes came have at all, as you say. Um, yeah, it, it's. I think it's it should we just widen the conversation, Phil, just to say we just need more goals from the team full stop. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. You know, yeah. that so, actually so, the answer so, may not be a reserve striker, but the answer may be a right sided foot midfielder stroke forward who can score goals. Yeah, like somebody like I don't know, a young Theo Walcott. You know, you know, something like that, you know. We've got an old, we've got know, an old Theo Walcott. An old Theo Walcott, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's been subject to a technical decision, hasn't he? So, oh, um, he has. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah I, we, we just, I, I'd widen that. I think we need a striker, obviously. Uh, I think if Moise Keane goes, um, but I think also as well, within, I don't want to say rebuilding, in terms of enhancing and augmenting the squad. I think the emphasis needs to be can that player score goals uh, because we just got, I mean, Decore, we've got a couple, Alan, not really mm. sure, Tom Davis, not really sure, you know, go to the whole team, Gomez, no. I mean, but, but, our goal scoring options apart from set pieces are really limited to what? Three or four players, Gilfie, Hamez, Richarlison and DCL and you don't often see them four on the pitch together. Um yeah, so it's it's a backup striker and going down the rabbit hole, a transfer policy that brings more goals, I think, to the to the team. Because have we got the lowest in the top ten by some distance as a fall? Yeah, and I checked the league table. Yeah. If if we do beat West, uh, do win our game in hand and yeah. go on level on level on points with West Ham, our goal difference is is inferior to the tune of six. So not not, yeah. not impossible to overturn, but. No, no, but we we have been. It's still six goal swing, isn't it? Yeah, we we had that early season flurry, but I would imagine since then, probably since October, we've probably been averaging a goal a game, haven't we? Mm. I think I think I looked at it as a thirty goals and thirty one goals and twenty eight Premier League games, something like that, which Uh, is is not great, is it? Something like I can't imagine. So, so uh, in thirty two games, we scored forty four goals. Yeah, but if you take the first four or five games out of that yeah. field when we had the five and the four at home, you're probably yeah. talking maybe, I don't know, 31 and 28, something like that. Yeah. Which isn't, yeah. Which isn't great. Um, and I mean, last week we won five and own goals, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Our goal difference to the top eight, our goal difference is plus four, Spurs plus 18, Liverpool plus 16, West Ham plus 10, yeah. Chelsea plus 20, Leicester 22. United twenty nine, City five thousand and three, 
Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, and but they also reduce on the last day of the season, Phil. So yeah, you, can, you can, you can, but but that, you know what I mean. That this, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Where I mean, I suppose it's a sign of good management. Of I suppose is you must have managed games well or something like that to get in that position where you barely got a positive goal difference, but you're quite high up the table. Probably means that you've scraped quite a few games in my experience. I mean, Moise was an expert at that, wasn't he? You'd have a well, look at his goal difference at the end of the season, and it wasn't that great, but you'd have a look, he'd be sixth or seventh, you know? Yeah, goal, goal difference in ball possession. I did a piece a couple of months ago saying yeah, the, the best Moyes teams of the Everton era barely saw the ball, but Oh, yeah, getting, yeah. To, getting to Europe. Um, uh, just just a, a last one then on, on squad strengthening and some of Gav mentioned goals and, and, and what have you. Do you do you subscribe to the idea? And I've seen people mention it, and, and we don't know quite for certain yet if, if it would be on the agenda, but do you subscribe to the idea that we would need more goals from midfield? And I don't mean wingers, I mean central midfield. Do we need to improve that area? Yeah. I think, you know, going back to even Abdullah Zakora, I think probably one of the, you know, main concerns that Everton fans had for, you know, the majority of the season was that while he was getting forward into those good positions, he wasn't actually scoring a lot of goals. I think he ended up chipping in with a couple, but, you know, not maybe not the kind of amounts that Everton particularly needed. I think it's something that's, you know, troubled Andre Gomez throughout his time at Everton, hasn't it? The fact that he's only scored once, is it? Yeah, that, Wolves. An absolute belter against Wolves, yeah, but yeah. never again. Yeah, for for somebody who's meant to be, you know, this box to box sort of creative sort of midfielder, yeah. you do kind of expect, you do kind of expect them to get some sort of goals from that position, don't you? Uh, so, yeah, I think you know, there's a lack of goals from Allen and a lack of goals from Tom Davis, of course, as well. But you know, with the fact that they play in a more defensive role most of the time, I would I would maybe let them off a little bit. But yeah, I I would I probably would say that Everton do need uh, more goals from that. From that midfield position, and I think you know, obviously, I think once Decore, you know, gets the players around him and gets into the swing of things, I think you know, I think if you give him the service, he will start scoring goals. I, I think Gomez is probably the one to look at in that sort of instance, isn't he? Because you know, if he even gets the service, is he gonna is he gonna score you the you know, let's say even just you know between five and ten goals a season? You know, that's 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 kind of what you want, you know. Especially if you're going to be chasing Europe and you're going to be you're planning to go you you're planning to go the distance in a couple of competitions, you know you do kind of need your midfielders to start chipping in with goals. It can't just be about mm. the strikers or the wingers, etc. We've had centre backs scoring goals, we've had defenders scoring goals, you know. So the yeah. fact that Andre Gomez can't can't uh, can't himself on the score sheet, I think does does become a little bit of a concern. So you know it's it's either going to be the case that you know Andre needs to kind of improve his output. Going forward, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether we've got the right system for him to be able to do that at the minute. But you know, I, I do think you know that it's 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 a criticism that can be aimed at him, or whether you know Everton, you know, go do go do go into the into the transfer market and try and look for a midfielder who can, you know, do do the same amount of work as Andre Gomez in you know further back in the pitch and still be able to contribute uh, up the other end of the pitch as well, especially if we're going to be playing. You know, as Gav says, in in the four three three formation that I think is probably best suited to us, you do kind of need those two more advanced midfielders to you know be getting yeah. forward of that little bit more and you know contributing with some sort of like goals and assists at least at, at the edge of the box. And you know, while I do have confidence that uh, Decore can do that, I don't really have the same amount of confidence in Gomez to do that. So yeah, I, I would probably suggest that yeah, we do need goals from midfield. Yeah, it can just add to that point, Phil. I know, I know times of the essence, but I do think we've been hamstrung this year in that area of the pitch because we've not had a natural defensive midfielder mm-hmm. who will just yeah. sit in front of the back four. You said there, quite rightly, if you play 4-3-3, you want somebody to sit and let the other two go forward a little bit more. We've, we've sort of been playing a sort of little bit of a mix and match, haven't we, where we've had two sitting and one sort of meandering forward and we've, we've not really had somebody whose game is an experience is sitting in front of the back four and protecting it and enabling you know the other two to get further up the pitch and make it make themselves a nuisance in the opposite penalty area i think the uh the choice phrase there was meandering i think that reflects the lack of pace across the team doesn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 freudian yeah. slip i think it's called yeah. Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean and, and again a discussion for another day but on the live q a we Absolutely. did this week live q a we did earlier this week i was chatting to 
some supporters and, and that, that topic came came up and you yeah. know it, it pace has got to be added this 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 summer it's, it yeah. really is a key attribute that the team needs right back wing maybe in midfield but we will see we will see what happens chaps <clears throat> thanks very much uh, for your company sorry wait how how rude of me I need to get you through yeah. my score don't I too right <laughs> I was going to say I, I got it right last week Phil Right at the end. I, I remember somebody said, like, on Twitter, that I got it right, and they said, because I'm so hopeless at this, it was very much an afterthought and very rushed thought, and just said 1-0 just for the sake of it. So, Instance, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, not, I'm not thinking at, at all about this. It's just going to be the first score that pops into my head. Overthinking oh, Gav, things, obviously. Gav, as you, so got, it right, as you got yeah. it right, where you go first, what's the... Uh, yeah, so score? I've been thinking about this all week, obviously. <laughs> no, I, a nice, a nice solid two 0 I think to the Mighty Blues. I think um, I, I like, like a regulation two 0 at this stage of the season. I think we're capable of it. Yeah, Ad? Uh I'm going to go a bit tighter. I'm going to go two one. I just think the our defensive lapses at Goodison are just they, they, they concern yeah. me a little bit. And with with Ollie Watkins up front for them, I think he's 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 got a bit of bottom. So I fancy he might he might score against us, but. I'm backing us to take a couple more of our chances this time. So, 2-1. Um, I, I, I don't know why I'm feeling so confident. 3-1. Oh. It's just a bit, a bit of a hark back to the uh, to early, earlier in the season at home when we were yeah. uh, a little bit more free-flowing. You know, everybody fit apart from Decore and Gabamin. So, the onus, I think, as we talked about, is maybe to be a little bit more uh, front foot and, you know, chasing victories that we need for Europe. So uh, I think 3-1, but we will see. Okay, we'll go again. Chaps, thanks very much um, for your company. Thank, thank, you very, thank you very much for listening. Uh, of course, we won't be on social media across the weekend because as you're listening to this, of course, the uh, football-wide boycott of social media has started. But you, of course, can visit our website um, across the weekend to keep up to date with the game. Uh, and of course, we will be back. The lads will be back Monday or Tuesday uh, to record a reflection pod on what hopefully is an important victory for the Blues. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.